Hi, you're listening to the Rav Desla Pasha podcast with me, Avram Ziedman. Join us as we weave together philosophy, psychology and Kabbalah to uncover a new depth to our weekly Torah reading. Hi everyone. Last week we looked at why was it that it had to be Hashem who took us out of Egypt and not a Shliach or a Malach or a Saraf. Today, I want to be able to look at another reason why it had to be Hashem who took us out of Egypt, split the sea, and not a Shliach, Malach, and a Saraf. I'm going to slightly break from the norm, and this is actually going to be a base Halevi. Let's begin with some questions. The Medrash says that before Hashem performed the plague of darkness, he asked the Malachim, is it okay if we do the plague of darkness? And they said, sure, no problem. And then he said, is it okay if we do the plague of Makas Bechorus, death of the firstborn? And they said, no. Ah, well, if you're not going to do it, I guess I have to do it myself. As we usually ask, what does that mean? What You need to ask a Malach, you need to ask permission to perform a plague, and they have the power to say no, and Hashem says, fine, if you're not going to, I guess no one's going to do it. If you want a job done, you've got to do it yourself. What, what does that mean? Let's look at another Medrash, which seems to be very similar to this. Says the Medrash that when the Jewish people are coming to the sea, Hashem says to the sea, I want you to split. And the sea says, what? You want me to split and you want me to save the Jews and kill the Egyptians? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. I can't see any difference. They worship idols. They worship idols. They're all the same. I can't do that. So Hashem has to do it himself. <laughs> Once again, what is this argument between Hashem and the Malachim? How can a Malach argue with Hashem? Answers the base Halevi. There is a fundamental difference between all the Makos all the plagues versus the death of the firstborn and the Kriya Siamsuf, splitting of the sea. When it came to all the other makas, the focus of the plagues were to punish the Egyptians. Now, we, the Jewish people, gained from it, but it's only a byproduct. I guess as the Egyptians are with their blood and frogs, etc., then they can't, they can't make us do any work, and therefore we gained. However, when it came to the last plague, the death of the firstborn, that was the moment of our freedom. The real focus there actually was freeing the Jewish people. And most certainly when it came to the splitting of the sea, the miracle was is that the sea split so we could flee. When the Egyptians come in, there was no longer a miracle, so they drowned. But the main miracle was the salvation as opposed to the retribution, as opposed to the punishment. Now, why should that make a difference? So, to be able to answer this... Let's go a little bit deeper. In Kaddish, we say, May Hashem's great name be blessed in the world and the worlds and the world. How many worlds are there? Answer, four. Let me explain. In short, in order for me to have a sense of self, Hashem has to, so to speak, move away. There has to be space for me. In order for me to have free will, Hashem has to hide himself. So when Hashem sends a bracha down into this world, it's not that it comes direct from Hashem straight to me. It goes via certain filters. Those filters are known as olamas. Of course, the word olam, world, also comes from the word he'alam, hidden. Why? 
because what does the world do? The world filters Hashem, it hides Hashem to be able to give us space and to be able to give us free will. So when Hashem wants to send a bracha to us, it goes via Atzilus and then Bria and then Yitzira and then Asiya into this world that we have now. Whenever I want to be able to communicate with Hashem, it goes also. We have the world. So it, this world is called Olam HaAsiya, the world of action, to Yitzira, to Bria, Atzila, all the way up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So imagine there's a ladder going from us all the way to Hashem. It's not just in one jump you get to speak to Hashem. Rather, it goes via different layers. And when Hashem wants to send a bracha down, it also goes down the ladder via these different olamas, being more and more filtered until it comes to the physical world. Everything in this physical world is paralleled in a more spiritual dimension in the world above it, the world of Yitzira. That world of Yitzira is paralleled with a higher world above it, which is Bria, and that world is paralleled by something more refined stuff. We, we don't even know how to talk about this stuff, but something more refined in, again, Bria, all the way to Atzilus and all the way to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, for example, if I have in the physical world a fire, that means there must be in the world above it, there is also a concept called a fire. Not the fire that we think about, something more spiritual. That physical fire is only burning because in the higher spiritual world, there is also something called a fire. So if Hashem wants to send down rain, Hashem will send down rain, spiritual type rain, whatever that means, which goes filtered down to less spiritual rain, don't know what that means either, moving down to even less spiritual rain, don't know what that means, all the way to physical rain, ah, I know what that means. These different filters are given different names. So, in the physical world, this whole physical world is here to hide Hashem. What are we going to call this physical world? Well, in English, I guess you can call it nature. But you know what else you can call it? You can call it a malach. When we think about a malach, sometimes you might think about Cupid. Wings and a halo and maybe with a little bow and arrow shooting that. No, when you, if you want to have a true understanding what is a malach, I want you to imagine, are you ready for this image? How do you imagine gravity? What does gravity look like? Gravity doesn't have a, what do you mean, doesn't look like anything. Exactly. That's what you should think about when you think about a malach. When the Gemara says that every blade of grass has a little malach telling it, grow, grow, grow. I sometimes tell that to people and I go, oh, that's so cute. It's not a little baby angel who's telling to them. You know what that's called? It's called photosynthesis. Ah, it's no longer cute. Meaning that this world of nature is there to hide Hashem. And for more details on that, listen to last week's podcast. But as we go higher up to the other filters, they've got different names. And now we have also the Shliach and the Saraf. So let's take these principles and look at an earlier story in Tanakh with Avraham. When Avraham was saved, when he was chucked into a furnace and he didn't burn, how did that happen? So there was a miracle. Yes, there was a miracle, but it wasn't a real miracle. You see, true physical fire should burn. But in reality, if you go back a higher oilam, does it make sense that Avraham should get burnt by a spiritual fire? No, he doesn't deserve it. On all the higher olamas, in all the higher worlds, it makes no sense that Avraham should burn, and therefore 
he is protected. So the miracle is, is that Avraham is taken out of the physical fire, the lowest fire in the Olam Asiya, and he's now brought to a spiritual fire, and with the spiritual fire, that won't burn him because he hasn't done anything wrong. So now let's get back to the story of the Jews leaving Egypt. Hashem wants to punish the Egyptians with blood. So how do you do that? So he sends down this spiritual concept of blood. Does it make sense that the Egyptians should have blood? Yes. Let's bring it down a level. On the next spiritual level, does it make sense the Egyptians should be punished with blood? Absolutely. Next level? Yes. All the way to the physical world, doesn't make sense that they should be punished with blood. It makes absolute sense and blood happens. So too frogs, spiritual frogs. I've never seen a spiritual frog, but there we go. Spiritual frogs all the way down, less spiritual, less spiritual, less spiritual, physical frogs. Lice, every single one coming down, they're being punished. It makes sense. But this is radically different to the death of the firstborn, the Jewish people being saved, and the splitting of the sea. When Hashem said to the Malach, I want you to split the sea. Doesn't work. What do you mean? They should drown. So Hashem will go into a more spiritual oilam. In that more spiritual oilam, does it make sense that the sea should split? No. Save the Jewish people? I, I, I get it. The, the Egyptians deserve to be punished. Happens to be the Jews also deserve to be punished. I, I can drown them both. But you want me to save the Jews and not, and not the Egyptians? That doesn't make any sense. So Hashem now sees in a higher oilam, there, in that higher oilam, does it make sense that the Jewish people should be saved and the Egyptians should drown? No. Every single oilam, the way Hashem created the world, the way it's all set up, not a single oilam makes, a sing- makes any sense whatsoever that the Jewish people should be free. And therefore, when it came to the last two plagues, Hashem says, you know what? Scrap this. I'm doing it my way. This is the ultimate miracle. They will be saved regardless. We're not going to go via a shliach. We're not going to go via malach. We're not going to go via saraf. I myself am going to take them out and I'm going to save them. That is the uniqueness of the death of the firstborn and the splitting of the sea. It's not that the malach was saying, we're not listening to you. There's no choice. There's no free will when it comes to the angels. Is that it just doesn't, doesn't compute. It doesn't work. Hashem says, I'm going to break from nature and I'm going to perform that miracle because I want to save the Jews. What message can we take from here? Sometimes we might be able to look at nature and we say there is no hope. There is nothing that we can do. And maybe that's true. Maybe as far as nature is concerned, it's hopeless. But Hashem is not bound by nature. Hashem creates nature and he can break any single rule he wants to. Even if something makes no sense, it's irrelevant. If I want to save you, you will be saved. He's done it in the past and he can do it to us in the future. You should never, ever give up hope. Have a great Shabbos. All the best. Wishing a Rufu Shalema to my mother, Yochevet Bas Shoshana.